0: Welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. So happy to have you here with me again today. I know that there is so much going on in the world and things feel so chaotic. And I'm so thankful that we're able to have this time together and to connect. So on today's show, I have Annie Schleck. She is the owner of Zen Sleep Consulting. What I love about what Annie does is she literally (laughs) helps you to be able to get a good night's sleep as an adult or as a child. And what we know about sleep is it is so, so important for just how we function throughout life. But what makes it so hard is there's so much else going on it. Not only in the world, but in our own life and even just in our own sleeping environment. So Annie is going to talk us through so many fantastic recommendations. I have to be honest, guys, my mind was blown, completely blown. There were things that we were doing for our son. We thought we, you know, we're doing things the quote right way and we were just really not. So we have made some adjustments since then and it does seem to be getting better. So I so appreciate Annie and her time that she takes with us to be able to teach us today. And I know that you are going to benefit from hearing from her. Now to the show. Annie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Yes, thanks for having me, Kelly. Yes, I am so excited that this worked out and we we're able, with everything else going on in the world, we're still able to meet. And I think this is, honestly, it's a relevant topic at any point, let's be real, but right. especially relevant right now with everything oh, that's going on. So. I hear
1: you. Yes, yeah. the world is needing to slow down and rest and what a perfect time to talk about sleep. So.
0: Absolutely. I'm wondering if you can introduce yourself to listeners.
1: Yes. So my name is Annie Schlecht and I am the founder of Zen Sleep Consulting. So I have a background in occupational therapy, and uh, that's kind of where my career began. Um, And I was working with pediatrics uh, and would go into the homes and daycares and do therapy with the birth to three, birth to five population, actually, and just saw this huge need. All these parents would be like, oh, okay, you want me to do what therapy? I get it, but can you just help me get my kid to sleep through the night? And I just became so passionate about it because we know that like 85% of brain growth and development happens the first three years of life. And when that happens is during their REM sleep cycles. So huge correlation to like healthy development and healthy sleep, but there was no one in the area doing this work. So I'm the first person in North Dakota to be doing sleep consulting um, as a private practice. And that's kind of where my journey began as a sleep consultant. So I quit my job as a a full-time OT and just kind of shifted uh, my practice to focusing on sleep. Um, have focused a lot more on the pediatric realm, but now in the last year have started working with more adult clients and became certified in adult sleep as well. And I'm also a Reiki practitioner. So all things Zen, um, I just have really tuned into more of that spiritual realm and just trying to help people find their inner Zen, their inner intuition about what their body needs to heal and develop and grow and just be the best you possible.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. So I had no idea. So I, 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 there's so much, I know I have so many questions. I'm like, well, how does this work? And how does that work? But I also didn't realize that you do Reiki as well. Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. It's been kind of more so for, um, my family, like my husband and my two little girls, but, um, and myself just to kind of help, um, with, you know, just tuning into that inner mind chatter and all of the things that manifest in your body when you're not dealing with emotions and your mental health. So, and like, I've, I have struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time. And I feel like this is kind of my one thing that is really starting to help me heal and take more responsibility for my inner healing.
0: Oh, I love that. How beautiful that you found that. And that's been so helpful. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Yes. It's been amazing. Yeah.
0: I definitely, I think now I've, had Reiki done twice. And I'll be honest, I was a skeptic. I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, and I am, I consider myself like a hippie at heart. So I mean, I'm pretty open uh-huh. to most things, you know, I'll try most things once. So I went into it. Um, It was actually Marnie that I uh, met with and she's a dear friend of mine. And so I met with her and she talked me through it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? We're going to try this. We're going to do it. And I was so impressed. I'm like, how it's just mind blowing how, at least for me, how um, much it worked and the effect that I got. So I think that's so cool that you can do oh, both yeah. of those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so fun too. Lately, I've been able that you can do distance healing, which is kind of a, a conversation for another time, but so like tapping into more distance healing with people. And I've been doing a lot more of that for friends and family and so um, cool. a way for me to at least practice it here, even when we're social distancing. Yeah. so really cool.
0: Absolutely. That is fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. So I'm wondering, can we talk a little bit more about the sleep consulting? I did not realize either that you are the only one in the state that's doing that. How cool that that's in our area.
1: Right. Right. And there may be a sleep consultant out there now at this point, but I know I was at least the first one to start. Um, And yeah, the fact that it's kind of a new thing in North Dakota. (laughs) And so a lot of my time is spent explaining exactly what I do. So as a sleep consultant, most people are thinking like I'm you know at a lab hooking electrodes up to you know their heads and watching their sleep patterns as they're going through the night but that's not me i am more so to deal with people who a pediatric so helping parents teach their kids the skill to sleep independently and also then with the adult clients it's more so people who have struggled with like insomnia for a really long time who have gone kind of gone mm, what's a word not necessarily overlooked, but maybe they've even been to a sleep lab. Their results came back. Okay. They just can't really get to the root cause of their underlying issues of insomnia and their sleep struggles. So I'm there to help them, whether it's with some CBT, some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, some um, looking a little bit more physiological by doing some home lab testing to see, do we have some kind of like gut issues some gut health issues that are impacting your sleep or hormones, thyroid, that kind of thing. Um, And really working with them also on then the sleep hygiene and all of those things that we kind of overlook and our eyes gloss over when we hear the word sleep hygiene. You know, we just think of like early bedtime, no screens, but it's a lot more of a deep dive into that kind of thing to really just hold people's hand and help them achieve quality sleep.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you explained that so that um, we all know what that is. I have to tell you, this was probably, it's probably two years ago. So we just met, like officially met face to face about a month than a half ago, two months ago now. But about two years ago, I was actually at our county fair of all places. I'm not sure why this came up then. I saw an old old coworker of mine. She happened to mention, again, this is like so wild. I'm not even sure how it came up. But she mentioned that she had been working with you that her two kids um, were now going to sleep on their own at like 7:30 and i remember just being like what? And we walked away and i told my husband i'm like i'm finding this lady and i'm hiring her. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like that is so cool. So life i'll be honest has kind of gotten in the way but when we were able to meet i'm like this is great. I can't wait to learn more about that and to hear, you know, what what is that? Like what does sleep hygiene look like to you? Like what would that look like for someone?
1: Oh, for me, first, first and foremost, again, it's kind of tapping into your, your mind and your inner mind chatter, like what's going on. Cause I would say for adults, the main thing we struggle with is our anxieties and our to-do lists. So I work with my clients a lot on just like, okay, let's quiet that inner mind chatter. We're going to look at different meditation techniques, that kind of thing. Zenning out your mind, then zenning out your environment, sending out your routine. Um, and then just kind of keep, to keep going down that funnel. So the first thing that I always tackle with my clients after we talk a little bit about the mindset um, is always just you first, you have to just clear any old thoughts and beliefs on that. I'm a bad sleeper. I'm, I'm terrible sleeper. Like, no, like your body is, isn't capable of anything without your mind's permission. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing we do. Then we start by, we look at the sleep space. So we're going to get that bedroom dark. First tip, get your bedroom dark. Can't see your hand in front of your face. Dark. Oh wow! If you have babies or little kids, we need to get it dark. Light is what dictates our circadian rhythm, and so the second that we see light, it's going to spike awake wakefulness and and stimulate our cortisol hormone, right, which is our stress awake alert hormone. On the opposite side of that seesaw is melatonin. So we have melatonin and cortisol that kind of seesaw throughout the day. So if cortisol gets spiked, then melatonin gets suppressed. So light levels are the number one thing for that. So. It, even in the beginning of the routine at the night, you have to dim the lights to kind of create this calm um, quiet, you know light pollution free space so that melatonin can flood for you. So number one thing, get your room <clears throat> pitch black, dark, and same for your kids. If you need a night light to go check on them in the middle of the night to go do a feeding, a diaper change, um, just have the hallway light on in the next room. If we are putting a nightlight in there, actually there's research that indicates that kids can be more susceptible to nearsightedness if they have a light source in the room when they're sleeping. Mm. So seriously, like even looking at, like if you have a white noise machine or like the TV in your room that has a red power button or a green or blue power button, cover that up with black electrical tape and see how much better you sleep. It is amazing.
0: My mind is blown. I'm sorry to interrupt. My mind is just blown. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So people
1: people think, again, they hear sleep sleep hygiene and they're just like, ah, whatever. Yeah, I have a decent bedtime and I'm still going to watch screens before bed. So they don't necessarily want to make those little tiny changes, but this is something I feel like that's implementable. Anybody can do this. Okay. Then the second one is to really make sure that your sleep space is nice and cool. We need to have a cool body temperature to get quality sleep. So if you're waking up hot and sweaty, you know your body is struggling and it's working harder to cool itself down for for good sleep. Um, And then for a routine, like you need to make sure that you are calming your mind, calming your body down. So for sure, an hour before bed for adults, two hours before kids, you need to turn off the screen. Again, because the, the reason behind this is that blue light is the most alerting to the central nervous system. And that's what's coming off of the screens. And it's telling our body, whoa, whoa, like it's still daylight out, we need to be out hunting and foraging for food, you know, if you think back to our like biology. So therefore melatonin gets suppressed and we're gonna likely have a harder time sleeping throughout the night, kids as well. So I'll have a lot of adults who will be like, oh, I fall asleep to the TV just fine. And then I I say, yeah, I'm sure you fall asleep just fine, but then you're waking up at two or 3 a.m., aren't you? And likely, yeah, they're, they're always like, yeah, like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, you need a full glass of melatonin to first a be able to fall asleep, and then second, have to be able to maintain sleep. So if you're falling asleep with like a light source, like a TV on, you are starting off your night with half a glass because that melatonin is so suppressed.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I'll have a lot of people be like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just take some, you know, over-the-counter melatonin. And the whole reason I, I recommend people to first try those environmental hacks is because when you take a natural or a supplemental mel- melatonin, you know, that synthetic form comes in and it fills up the receptor sites of your melatonin. Mm-hmm. And then if your body does produce the real stuff, it comes down and it's like, well, hey, like, it's already full. I guess I don't need to produce as much. So therefore, you're, you're not going to be producing nearly the quality or the quantity that you need to do it on your own. And most of the time, melatonin only helps you fall asleep just a little bit faster. It's like a, a little bit, I can't even remember the research study I read. I think it was like 20 minutes maybe of sleep latency that it impacts, but it doesn't help you maintain the entire night of sleep. So that's my one bandwagon thing I'm going to get on, and, or my soapbox that I'm going to get on. It's talking about if you're going to do melatonin, make sure you're using it for short-term use, like jet lag, or maybe trying to get the kids back on track before school, like after the summer is over. Um, but really see if you can do some of those environmental hacks, like dimming the lights and watching the light sources in the room for melatonin, um, release.
0: Oh my gosh. I oh, like, I'm just going off on a tangent. No, I know. This is fantastic. I'm just like almost speechless. I'm like, wait, what? Like this is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, some of the things as you're saying them, I'm like, well, yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's things I never thought about. So I do have some questions. Do you mind if I dive into that yeah, a little bit? Let's, yes. Let's jump okay. into some of those. So the first thing that I'm thinking about is we do not have a TV in our our room. No judgments. If anyone does, we just don't Um, for whatever. Well, we also have a two story house and I don't know if anyone else does. But like when you have a two story house, most people don't spend a lot of time upstairs either. You know, (laughs) you go to bed and that's Mm -hmm. about it. So we wouldn't use it. And also um, my husband doesn't really like a lot of light either when he sleeps, but he does like to listen to like the radio or like a comedy station or something. And I'm curious, does noise as well? does that impact it at the same level or is it a little bit different?
1: Yes. So I usually recommend that we have a nice quiet environment or you use some kind of a noise machine. So I have a lot of people, actually, my husband was included. He used to have the TV on um, just for the noise. Like, and I couldn't handle the light and I couldn't handle the noise either because he'd watch friends and I was always picturing like, what's Joey doing? I can see, I can picture him in (laughs) my mind and I can't (laughs) shut down and go to sleep. So we started trying. I'm like, okay, we need to switch this up because I was exhausted. I'm like, let's try blacking out this room and let's try a noise machine instead. So we, we we switched that for three days. He still had a hard time, but after he transitioned out of it, now I think sleeping with with the sound on is tough for him. But anyway, the reason that I always recommend that you use some kind of a noise machine is that it helps block out the other environmental sounds of the house. So if your you know dog is clicking around <laughs> in the bedroom or your furnace kicks on, um, you hear a car down the street or dog barking, it's going to help to muffle those background noises, which will alert our brain and wake us up. Yes. The reason our brain wakes is because it's stimulated. It hears a change in pattern. So it wakes up. So I always recommend that you use like a white, brown, gray, pink, static sound rather than like ocean waves crashing or melodies of even music. Sometimes music is okay. I haven't done, I don't know. I I have found for myself personally that I'm trying to pick up on the pattern. My subconscious levels are trying to pick up on the pattern. Like what's the melody gonna do next? Is it gonna get faster or slower, that kind of thing. Um, But if you can just have that static blame, like kind of sound, it's gonna help your brain just kind of go into, I don't know, like Zen mode, I guess. And just fall asleep easier.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing for um, my husband is that he has ringing in his ears constantly. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the concerns with not having anything. But that makes sense with like the noise machine that he, there would still be right. something that would help kind of drown some of that out. Right. Do you hear that a lot from people that they're like for well. ringing
1: in the ear for ringing in yeah. the ear? I haven't done a ton of research, but actually I want to say that. I, oh, I think I want to say it. I just heard something about binaural beats. So the concept behind this is that you wear headphones um, and you kind of get into a meditative state. You can actually sleep with it if you're cool with that, but it, um, it has different frequencies and each ear hears a different hertz. And it kind of like balances it out to the point of like therapeutically just kind of getting you into a solid state. Huh. Uh, I can't explain it very well, no, so I'm, I do research yeah. on it, but yeah, I've heard that that works well for ringing of the ears.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'm totally following you there. That's really great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the other thing that really pops into my, well, there's two things that pop into my mind. Actually, three now that I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, so many questions. I swear we will keep this at an hour. I will not keep you your entire day. <laughs> but it makes me think um about here in North Dakota, it is so bright out so late. and so even if you have darkening curtains, there's still that light that's coming through those. Okay. So any thoughts about that is that the like the best we can do is like use the darkening curtains and
1: if, yeah, for when you're ready for yes. bed like yes. when that, um, roll up a towel or a blanket, put it on top of the curtain rod use 3M tape to maybe get those curtains to kind of stick onto the windowsill if you can. Yeah. they I mean, they have tons of different products out there that you can like suction cup right onto the window to make it black out dark. You can use tinfoil. Like it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be dark.
0: Uh Oh, I I didn't know that they have that. I'm going to look into that. We also have a street light outside of our house. We live like Uh basically in the middle of nowhere, but we do have a street light, which is very interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's really bright. And so that would be nice to have something
1: right yeah oh i'm excited to hear after you get get it nice and dark see how that goes
0: yeah definitely i'll keep you posted on that thank you for that the other thing too a lot of times you know kids mention that they're scared in the dark or i even think about people who have had like traumas and they really just do not feel safe in that dark environment do you have thoughts on how to help yourself or your children and maybe that's two different things but feel comfortable with the darkness
1: Sure. Well, the first thing I will tell is anybody that has kids, start early, talk about the darkness and how beautiful it is, how it helps our brain sleep and our muscles get bigger. Because if we can just start glorifying sleep and glorifying the darkness and make it just a beautiful thing from the get-go, kids will grow up that way. But obviously, if you have a toddler who, yeah, they watched a scary show or they're a little afraid of the dark, get go ahead and put a nightlight in there. Like, obviously, you want them comforted and you're not going to like send them down this awful developmental realm if they you know are susceptible to nearsightedness (laughs) like it's just one research study um but the thing you want to do is like if you have a nightlight try and like tuck it behind a piece of furniture and make sure it's like a red or a yellow glow because again i was talking about how blue and green lights on like on this color spectrum if you think roy g viv blue and green are the most alerting um and then red and, and yellow are more calming so if you, and a lot of our LEDs are so white, bright, or you'll have blue or green things like that, just switch that out, switch it out for, um, a red or yellow bulb. If you can, like yes. we get the old school kind where you can take the cover off and then like twist on a new bulb oh, and yeah. we'll get like a, a Christmas bulb light and put that, we, we have that in my three-year-old's room for a while. Um, and now she's graduated to the point where she's mommy, I'm ready to have it dark again. I'm
0: like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm so proud. I would say it's got to feel so good to get to that point it does. for sure. It does.
1: Yes. And then for adults too, like I've had, I've had some parent or some, some people that have struggled big time with anxiety or, um, some PTSD kind of things. And we, we work with it. So like, if you can get even like a salt lamp that has that nice amber glow, um, and just try and tuck it. So it's not in direct line of vision. So it's just a little bit of some comfort there.
0: Yeah. I love that. Salt. I love salt rock lamps too. They just are, they are so calming in general. So that's awesome. That's a really great idea. For kids. I actually
1: have an entire blog post on how to handle like your child's bedtime fears and fears of the dark. So lots of different techniques that you can do to like maybe play in their room when it's dark with a flashlight, we're going to play under the bed and have our little animals go under there. And this is a cave and it's a beautiful cave. And we, you know, you talk about that kind of stuff and you, I usually use a safe spray with my girls where I'll put some um, essential oils into a bottle of water and then just spritz their room and that's their safe spray. That's all I call it a safe spray. Some people will call it monster spray. I don't really like that because obviously then it's putting it into their head that there's monsters out there. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the safe spray works really nice. So you can put some lavender in a bottle of water, squirt it over them. Just kind of that's their safe little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of meditative kind of practices with my girls kind of like, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but, um, but, all I can envision is like when they're putting that protective bubble over hogwarts, and we do that at nighttime um, to have our protective bubble over our I house and keep us safe. So lots of different things like that that you can do that kind of you know helps you tap into that inner, intuition of what you need to do for yourself and for your kids yeah, Um, and just kind of working on some of those energy practices.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. I wonder if you can send me the link to the blog because I bet people would like to be able to see that as well. I know I would love to read through that. So that is absolutely fantastic. You know, I wonder with being the only one that we know of, or at least the first sleep consultant, has it been kind of hard or even sometimes lonely? Um, to walk this road and try to explain to people like what this really is. It is,
1: it is at times. And, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know, there's sleep consultants all over the country. There really are if you start looking. Um, but then to take my occupational therapy background in with that. And so I'm trying to like, like pull both realms together Um, and really just beef up what I have in terms of that. So I have other sleep consultant friends all over the globe that I'm working with, talking with kind of as my business partners. But yeah, when I'm talking to just the random person around the state about like what I do, they're like, oh, that's weird. People pay you to help them sleep. I'm like, do you come into their room and like help? And I'm like, well, tell you the truth. I can, like, I do have a package where I can come and legit help you with your bedtime routine and your kids is, um, but yeah, it, it has been a little lonely to tell you the truth. And like working now, I'm kind of an extroverted person, and now everything I do is pretty much virtual. Yes. Um, I do do obviously some in home, but it's just mileage fees when you're in North Dakota. And I live in Wimbledon, which I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere as well. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me um, when I opened up my private practice, I was working in a satellite location, but through a different agency. And so then when I opened up my private practice, I mean, it was just me. And um, I am a huge believer that it is so important, even if we don't have someone with us to find those connections and find people that are doing the same thing that we're doing so that we are able to feel supported. And um, also sometimes people just have really great research that they found and they're like, Hey, check out this article or whatever that is. And so to be able to bounce ideas off each other is really fantastic. I do yeah. have to tell you though, I envisioned you when you said come into your room. I envisioned you like standing over people as I sleep. I do, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's too funny. People- with my like
1: my like night vision goggles. Yes,
0: on. <laughs> yes, checking out every movement. No, for sure. But I could see a, a significant amount of benefit though in you actually seeing what people are doing, whether it's with their kids or with themselves. I can right. absolutely see that being um, a positive thing to, to be able to talk people through that. Yeah.
1: And I guess I should clarify when, when I go in, like, if I do an offer an in-home, it's usually with the pediatric population. Okay. Yep. Yep. I haven't done it with the adults, but I, I suppose I could if they needed it. So. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting that, that difference in it, I suppose, but yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be great. That's fantastic that you do that. So, you know, I'm wondering has there ever been a time, and if you don't mind sharing, in your own life that you have struggled with sleep? It sounds like when you were dealing with your husband liking to watch Friends. That's so funny, by the way, that you were like, what's Joey doing? That's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but have there been other times in your life where it's just been really hard for you to sleep? Right.
1: Oh, yeah. Like right when I had my my daughters, um, they were pretty good sleepers. and But there was a, a couple weeks there where one of them was just not sleeping good. And she was struggling with some night terrors and up all the time because she was going through a developmental milestone. I think she was learning how to walk. And anyway, I just remember like, I was so tired. I had to get up and go to work the next day and it was just exhausting. And I felt like my cup was so empty. I was snapping at my husband all the time. I was snapping at my kids. I was like resenting bedtime because she was fighting that. And like everything about me was depleted because a, my sleep was impacted. Um, all of the family dynamics were tough. I didn't want to work out because I was too tired. I didn't want to cook healthy because I was craving the gross carbs that we crave when we're sleep deprived. Like everything about my health and wellness was tough when, when my girls were going through their sleep issues. And then I finally got certified and found out like, okay, that this is something that we can teach our kids. Like they're capable of this. So I, that's how I kind of, one of the reasons why I kind of started getting into this realm of sleep too. Like not only for the clients I worked with as an occupational therapist, but also for my own life. Cause there was one night where I remember my little one was just crying and crying and nothing would calm her down. And I remember just like, Oh my gosh, okay. I have to put you down and walk away. And I feel like that's the part of parenting nobody wants to talk about. Like heaven forbid you're such a monster, but who has not been to that point where you're just like, okay, I just need to take a break. I had to like walk down the stairs, like take some deep breaths. And I was like, thank goodness. I have the coping strategies. I have the socioeconomic status. I do. Thank goodness I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol right now. I had all that going for me, but there were times as a therapist that I did work with kids who were shaken because of a stressed out parent. And at that one moment I was like, holy crap, I get this. Yes. And parents need support. They need to know there are resources out there if they're struggling day in and day out, because when you jump on and you're like, Hey, my kid's sleeping on like a Facebook mom group. And they're like, Oh, this too shall pass. Good luck, mom. Like we were there. There's a lot more actually education and research that can be, or techniques that can be done to help you through that time. Or just asking for some help, you know, like having a grandma or a, a nanny, a night nanny. You know that those are a thing, like in big cities, night nanny. Really? Oh,
0: that sounds <laughs> yeah, fantastic. They would come in and
1: just take care of your baby for you. Yeah. But just asking for help and getting some different perspective and different resources. It's yes. kind of one of those big things that I learned from my own issues with my kids struggling to sleep. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of one of my big goosebump stories. Because I was like, I just don't want any, any parent to ever feel at their wits' end. And like shaken baby syndrome is a thing right? and it happens and it's so scary. And I just want parents to feel like they have at least a partner that they can reach out to for it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that.
1: I started doing, um, Q and A's on my Instagram page every Wednesday so that parents can, if they do have a question and they can't maybe afford my services, they can at least come on and ask a question that way.
0: Oh, that's great to know. That's really good to know. So, and that's on Wednesdays. Yep. Okay. Great. So anyone listening that would like to access that too. So awesome. You know, I have to tell you that I remember when my husband and I, you know, times now are a little bit different. So they're doing, I think, virtual parenting classes, but at the time, you know, the coronavirus was not, was not a thing. And we went to a parenting class and I remember the person who was teaching it said, you know, right now you are going to feel like, I can't believe that anyone would ever shake their baby. Um, but she Mm -hmm. said at some point, you're going to get to that point where you're going to feel like that. And even then I was like, No, never, never. And then I had a friend that said that to me and she said, no, seriously, you are going to get to the point where you are so tired and your baby Mm -hmm. will not stop crying. And you are going to think to yourself, like, why won't you stop? And you have to have the ability to give yourself grace, know that you need to put your baby down, walk away, come back. Your baby's going to be fine as long as they're in a safe place. You're going to be fine. You're not a terrible parent. And
1: that Mm -hmm. quite honestly
0: was the best gift that anyone ever gave me was just to like say that for both of them to say like... This will happen. You are mm-hmm. not a bad person. This is a normal yes. response to like not having sleep and being sleep deprived. There's a reason it's torture. <laughs> you know, yes. it's used for torture. Yes. And um, just knowing that, that that does happen to other people, I think also gives us the ability to know that, you know, if in that moment, yeah. We have any thoughts like that. We are prepared because someone has already said, mm-hmm. this will probably happen to you. Not for everyone, but this yeah. will probably happen to you. Here's what you can do. Here are the steps you can take. You don't even have to think about it. You know, right. it's just almost be, an automatic. like
1: have a proactive plan. Just like, oh my gosh, if there were a fight in the house, this is what we would do. If you ever felt that way, deep breath, walk down the stairs two times and then go attend to your baby. Yep. Like something, have a plan in place so that that is talked about. You're being active. Yeah. Like. Oh, I just I get the goosebumps when I talk about that story, because it is like I have a lot of parents who are like, oh, isn't this just the most awful thing that you're doing is, you know, encouraging parents to let their babies cry. And that's not I'm a mom like I am. I get it. And no, I don't want to let anybody let their baby cry when they're trying to sleep train. My my biggest mantra with my business is if it's not a problem for you, how you and your baby are sleeping, then it's not a problem. Yeah. But once it becomes a problem, then I'm here to help you. Because I got to that point where like, oh yeah, what we're doing, like I used to co-sleep. I used to nurse my girls to sleep and it was dangerous. Like I I don't recommend co-sleeping, but I was exhausted and I was in survival mode. And it got to be a problem because every night I would wake up thinking, oh, my baby's rolling off the bed and I was not sleeping well. My husband was not sleeping well and it got to be a problem for us. So we had to switch habits and I'm glad that we did because it's much safer our kids have beautiful sleep habits now and they have a beautiful relationship with sleep now. And our bond is still amazing. Yes,
0: (laughs) absolutely. Well, I think that's what's important for people to know too is that bond portion of things I think is what Mm -hmm. is often, you know, a concern. So I'm wondering, can we talk a little bit about your thoughts on sleep training for babies and maybe, you know, if you feel comfortable even saying like, how would someone go about it? And, you know,
1: right, right. Okay. So when you talk about sleep training with a baby, (laughs) they're usually not capable of sustaining the night or having the self-soothing strategies to do so until about three and a half months. Um, So I don't really start working with clients on sleep training until three and a half, four months, three and a half if they're desperate, but four months is kind of my go-to time frame. before that time, I do offer um, a sleep shaping package where it talks on everything. On like, this is the science behind it. This is what's going on with your baby's sleep. This is why we need to swaddle, you know, because of moral reflex and the fact that they're spending the majority of their time in REM sleep. Um, Like there's just so many tips and tricks that I never knew about newborn. And I went to school for uh, occupational therapy and sleep is up primary occupation for, for people. Yes. I didn't know this until I went into these trainings. So I feel like it's so important for new parents to just be educated on sleep. You know, like you're, you educate yourself on how you're going to breastfeed, how you're going to set up the crib. Like, let's talk about this proactively rather than reactively. So I do offer that. And then once babies are finally ready to sleep train, you have to find a really consistent method that works with your parenting styles, how you feel, um, you know, whether you want to, Ugh, I don't know. I guess I, I need to rephrase. Basically, just to find just to find the right method that works for your parenting style. So, the first thing that I do when I'm working with parents who are ready to sleep train babies is just to make sure that baby can fall asleep independently at bedtime. The reason that this is important, you'll hear a lot of people say like, "Oh, put them down drowsy, but you know, still awake." But I disagree with that because the first stage of non-REM sleep is the eyes fluttering drowsy stage. So if they're still on your or in your arms or on the bottle or breast and they're, let's say you're, they're going into that first stage of sleep. They're still associating you holding them or being fed with the the skill of sleep. Okay. So then they, let's say they fall asleep drowsy, they're in your arms and then you transfer them. They kind of wake up a little bit and then they fall back to sleep. And then a couple hours later, they are going to go through a sleep cycle and they come to the levels of wakefulness, which we're supposed to do. To check in with the environment, reposition. You know, biology kind of has that in store for us. We're supposed to come to the levels of wakefulness to check in with the environment. Well, if babes is waking up then and all of a sudden mom's not there, the breast isn't there, the bottle's not there, they're like, I'm so confused. Like, what? I was just in mom's arms. I better cry out and call for her until she comes back because they don't know that they can do this on their own. So it's not a skill that has been developed yet. So that's why that's the first step is we need to make sure that they can do this independently. So when you're doing your bedtime routine, nice and calm and zen, and then put baby to bed wide awake, and we need to teach them how to calm their bodies down on their own. This takes some time, and it takes some consistent methods to get through, and I try and work as best as I can with the most gentle approaches possible to help parents through that, because nobody wants to hear their child cry, not one person in the world. You know, so you'll hear people like, "I'm not really a fan of cry it out." Like, there's not one person in the world who's a fan of of cry it out. Um, it's just a matter of learning how to support
0: them while they learn a skill. Sure, sure. Can I ask a quick question? Yes. Is there a time that is too long to try? So, here's where this is coming from. I um have I have had friends and we I'll be honest my husband and I have tried like all sorts of things when my son was young so we were like anything we're like we'll try I mean within reason of course um, but I have had friends that have done all different methods of sleep and have shared some of their experiences and at times it has been um, pretty distressing for the parents that they have cried for. I'm not even going to say an amount of time because I don't want anyone to feel any certain way, but that they, you know, the baby has cried for this amount of time and got to the point where maybe they were like sobbing to the point that it would sound like they were like struggling to breathe. And I think that's the part that is kind of hard for people when they hear about sleep training is because they're concerned about like, when is the... Like, when do we come in? When is the cutoff? Like, and it sounds like it's probably an individual thing, but I'm wondering if you can like help people, you know, really understand that portion of things.
1: That's a tough one. And it goes by, by each kid. And like, to tell you the truth, it's, it's so, it usually doesn't get to that point. Like I've had some parents who have said that they, yeah, like my baby will cry for hours or something, but I've never experienced that in terms of the sleep training process that I work with kids because we're focusing on, everything else. Like what are their wake time windows? Like are they getting good daytime sleep? Are they overtired when you're putting them to sleep? So there's so many different factors that can go into how long they're crying and why. Um and I would say the biggest issue that parents struggle with is like that baby will be crying and like, oh, for this amount of time and then they go in and they get them and they feed them. And then of course baby is confused at that point because they're like, well, why does sometimes mommy get me out and sometimes she doesn't? I guess I'll just cry harder longer. So if we can just be really consistent for a two week period is how long I work with kiddos. It usually really, they pick up on it within the first couple nights to tell you the truth. Like most of them do. Um, So I don't have a great answer to that question. It's, and it it sounds harsh. It sounds really harsh. Um, But it's just a matter of them learning the skill while you're there to support and comfort them. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of compare it to like, if your kiddo were to get a scissors, like that's not safe. So you're going to take it away from them. They're going to cry you don't want to hear them cry and maybe they don't have coping strategies. So they cry a long time. Are you going to give that back to them? No. (laughs) Like it's, and it's kind of the same thing. Like we, we just, we need to teach them these skills so they can develop them, have them for this foundational aspect of our health and well-being. Yep. Because you have to go there with the pros and cons because I'll have some parents who are like, Oh, well, I just can't handle that. And I'm like, that's fine. Again, that's fine. If you don't want to do this because it has to be enough of a problem for your family dynamics for you to have to warrant sleep training, if you need it, you know, like if you're right. if you're okay and you're at an energy scale, I always ask my parents like on a scale of one to 10, where are you falling? One, you're miserable. 10, you're fantastic. A lot of mine are at a two, three, one, a one to two, three. Yes. And that's pretty miserable to me where I'm like, okay, we need to get you some help for sure. And then I have them up at eight nines by the time they're done in a two week oh, process. That's awesome. So, I mean, it sucks and nobody wants to hear their child cry, but I do the best I can to give you the gentlest methods and to prepare you and to prepare the environment, prepare the, their daily, r- their schedules and routines so that we can have the most minimal, there's a minimal crying yeah. <laughs> that we can get. Yeah. And um, I'm also, I forgot to mention that I am a certified infant massage instructor as well. So I usually throw in an infant massage class so that parents can really focus on the bond that they have with baby in their bedtime routine by implementing massage.
0: Oh, in there that's too. so cool. Yes. That's really awesome. So. I can see how that would be definitely be a benefit for sure. You know, mm-hmm. it also makes me think of um, a conversation that I've had recently just about our own ability to tolerate distress as parents I mean and I'm not just talking babies I mean I'm talking throughout like our child's entire life and how it can be really hard especially if they're struggling with something that we struggled with when we were a child because I didn't like to go to bed either I'll be honest with you right. like I was scared to go to bed when I was young and so when my son is scared to go to bed when he is young I was like oh but I yeah. get it. <laughs> I get it though right. you know because it was scary but at the same time that that a lot of times has more to do about our own issues with that distress tolerance mm-hmm. rather than our child's distress in that moment and so trying to balance both of those regardless of our child's age I think can be hard at times right do you see that a lot that parents are like I totally get this this was something that I dealt with or
1: yeah a lot of times we're like well I was a really bad sleeper so it's normal I think it's just genetic and I'm like well yeah I'm sure there's a lot of DNA that goes into it but epigenetics are kind of a big thing like (laughs) how we are raised like the environments that we're in and obviously like if you think back biological days like mothers would pick up their babies as soon as they would cry. Because again, there were predators out there that they needed to protect them yes. from. So we don't have those saber tooth tigers anymore. The other stresses are now sleep deprivation. That's our new stressor. And so if we can just teach babes to get through this and to, to, to learn to self-soothe um, oh, we're setting them up for success. Yeah. And then when it comes to toddlers too, I love working with that age group or like older preschool kids because teaching them self-soothing and coping strategies, like, Oh, as an occupational therapist, like this was things that we would do self-regulation, right? Working on our sensory system. How can we add in these different sensory pieces to calm our bodies down? We can start doing that at such a young age now. Like if we just have to start teaching little babes how to start breathing, you know, yeah. you can do hand over hand assistance on how to blow a star up to the moon and use your fingers, that little visualization.
0: Yes.
1: Oh, it's my favorite because then you're teaching them the body awareness, self-awareness, and to just take more control over calming their bodies down.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: And you, and you can still be there as a mom to comfort. And I'm not saying you need to abandon your baby all night long and let them cry. Absolutely not. It's just that we want to make sure we're instilling good sleep habits for the child. And so also that you're not at that point where you're so sleep deprived, where you're going to snap too. Yeah, you know,
0: absolutely. Well, and I think too, if we, and this is I mean, it's along the same lines, but a little bit different topic as well, Um, but definitely impacts, I believe, as far as like postpartum depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are, those are hard anyway, but if you throw in lack of sleep, um, right. with that, it can be right. hard to really function. And I think one misconception, this is definitely postpartum depression, anxiety is a huge passion of mine. And one misconception is that it only lasts for so long when really mm-hmm. that we're seeing that this can last for years for some people too. Right. And so it's not like if you can just get through like the first three months, then it, everything's going to be okay or whatever exactly. that looks like. And so I think that um, being able to get good quality sleep, you know, is imp- is right. important truly.
1: And I've worked with several parents who have had postpartum and you know, it's a top, it's a tough topic, but we, we need to make sure they're getting good sleep. And I always make sure that if we're doing this, that we're collaborating. So like I'll have people take my sleep plan into their therapist and like, okay, here's what it is. Are they signing off on this? They're taking them to their doctors. They're signing off on it. We're collaborating as a team to get this sleep for this family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that collaboration too. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that you do that for sure. So I'm wondering, you know, when it comes to really figuring out what is the first step that somebody can take? I mean, obviously, um, if someone meets with you, you're going to be able to do like, you know, a full evaluation and all of that. But if you could give somebody just like one first step out of the things that you've talked about or maybe something, you know, different that you haven't mentioned, what would be like one good thing for people to try?
1: In terms of themselves or? or Themselves.
0: Sorry, themselves.
1: Okay. Um, I would say consistency, making sure you have a consistent routine um, and a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake time, because we don't we need to set our circadian rhythm up for sleep, how it's supposed to be like, right, we have the 24 hour clock in us and we have different times that things spike and different hormones are released and that kind of thing. So if we're going to bed and waking up at the same time during the week, and then on the weekends, we let that fall apart and we're like two hours, you know, sleeping in for two hours later than we normally do, or we're staying up four hours later than we normally go to bed, you are setting yourself up for social jet lag, it's called. And then you're the whole week long, you're trying to catch yourself back up. And then the, the next weekend comes, you do the same thing. And it's just this pattern of crazy social jet lag that you're really trying to deal with.
0: Yeah. That is that's fantastic advice, and I'm even thinking about myself. Sometimes I'm bad with that because my schedule throughout the week fluctuates, and so Mm -hmm. even like when I wake up, for the most part throughout the week, it's about the same. But I'm someone who I honestly I like to go to bed really early. I'm like a little old lady. I swear (laughs) it. If I could go to bed at like eight o'clock every night, that would be my jam. Oh, and see, I'm
1: total, I'm total opposite. I'm such a, I'm such a night owl. Isn't that strange? Yeah, Mm -hmm, I am, but. I've really worked hard to kind of set myself up. So like maybe closer to 10, 11. And I'm not trying to say you have to be total boring and like, don't ever stay up late and do anything yeah, fun. For sure. Like just the other night we woke up at one, we woke the kids up at 1am to go watch a meteor shower. Oh, cool. and like sometimes that's going to happen. So I always say 80% of your life, try and be really consistent, stick to your guns right there. Okay. And 20% of the, the time life will happen. Just be aware though, of how your body changes when those fluctuations happen. Yes. And then just kind of try and take assessment of is it worth it or not?
0: Yeah, I love that. I love
1: that. And so if you are like, I always say, like, Try and give yourself like thirty minutes of either you're gonna wake up thirty minutes earlier or, or sleep in later. Like try and keep it within a half hour if you possibly can of your wake time and your bedtime.
0: Oh, okay, that's that's a good,
1: especially
0: yeah. especially for the kids. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. That is so. hard. It really
1: is. I feel like especially right now with COVID, like people are letting babes stay up later, or you know, kids yes. stay up later watching TV. Like we're just like, oh, it just sucks. Let's just have a movie night. And yes. I get that. We've done it a couple times too, but gosh, do we. Pay today with with their mood so definitely take assessment no judgment on if you're doing that just make sure that like maybe you're not doing it on a day where you really need them to be on par like yes you know they have testing or something for their schooling or you have a big presentation coming up the next day
0: Right, right. That's, yeah, that's definitely fantastic advice. So when would someone know, and we can do maybe both sides of things, like with kids, when would someone know that maybe it's time for them to get a consult for their child and a consult for themselves?
1: Just really looking at your quality of life. Like I usually tell parents, like if I'm assessing them on my energy scale of like one, you're miserable. You're walking around like a zombie. You're snapping at your kids. You're hardly focusing at work. You're emotional, you're crying, your mental health, you feel like is struggling a little bit. And 10, you feel fantastic. Like we're going to, you know, do lots of meal prepping. We're going to go get lots of exercise after work. And you just feel like you're on par there. If you're struggling anywhere, I would say below a four, five, four, please call me. Like, please call me. I can help you. Same thing with your kids. Like if you're, if you're struggling because of their sleep habits and you're at anywhere below a five, four, call me please. yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. It's, there's just so much more that can be done. And life is beautiful when you're well rested and you're, you're awake. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Like I have
1: so many people who are just like, I don't even know, I guess I'm functioning at like five, six. I don't really know what it's like to get a full eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, Oh, I can hardly function on six. Like I'm just terrible with that. So there are a lot of people too, who just don't even really realize how tired they are because they've just dealt with it for so long. Yes. But I mean, there's so many physiological aspects of our physical health that are impacted when we're not getting the quality sleep we need. Like everything about our body and minds are being restored from the day prior, you know, while we're sleeping. Right. Like, your muscles aren't getting built at the gym. They're getting restored during your non-REM sleep at night. Like yeah. your memory, your, your, when you're learning a new skill, it's not happening while you're doing the task. It's happening while you're sleeping your immune system is getting repaired. All of those natural killer cells that are out fighting viruses right now are happening during your sleep, during your non-REM sleep. So if we are depriving ourselves of that, every aspect of our health is
0: being impaired. Yeah. Wow. That's so fascinating. Well, I'm thinking since I could probably get like eight to 10 hours a night, I'm probably golden with that. (laughs) <laughs> but I do think about my poor husband, though, who truly, his entire, truly from what he has said and what his mom has said his entire life, he has been just a really Stop terrible him. sleeper. And so that right. is his, um, what, he, well, at least what he believes is just like his normal. And I always think to myself, but like, but yeah, but you've always functioned like that. So is it really right. that that's really all your body requires? Or is it possible that you're just so used to it that you right. think... You're surviving, right? You're surviving, but could you be thriving? Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to say it. I love that. Right.
1: And so sometimes it just takes some, some changes some lifestyle changes. Like obviously, yeah, like I love me some carbs, but I know that my weight's not going to love that. So same thing with our sleep. Like you might really like to listen to that comedy show maybe at night, but you might do so much better if you could switch to maybe a different kind of weight noise. And that would be a simple, tiny thing that you could just try, just try it for three days, see how it goes. And again, like, but again, my thing is I'm not here to judge anyone. If what you're doing is like you said, working for you, it's not a problem. Yep. Yep. If it becomes a problem, no, please know that there's people out there that can help. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's absolutely. definitely people that can help. You can talk to your doc you could get a referral to a consultant like me. You could go to a sleep lab. Like, there's lots of different
0: pieces or people out there that can help you. Yeah, absolutely. You know that I'm gonna harass my husband though about trying the white noise yeah. later, right? <laughs> right, right. He's probably gonna hate me. i to a damn sleep consultant. I know. Like, like,
1: people either love you know. me or they hate me, and I'm okay love with it. that. It's you fine.
0: Know. Well, the thing of it is, is that it's not, it's not, te- it's not about you though. It's about where they are right, at yeah. and their responses yes. to what's going yes. on. So I love that though. But. So just a few things as we start wrapping up things here. Um, I do always ask a question uh, because it's called Kelly, the encouragers podcast about who are your biggest encouragers throughout your life. And it can be about this topic or it can be just about life in general. Oh,
1: okay. Well, I have obviously a couple and I would say my main ones are my family. Like, my husband, my kids, they're so supportive. I have some fantastic in-laws. My parents are fantastic for their support that they've given me throughout my crazy entrepreneurial journey. Like they're like, wait, what do you want to do? And they've just supported me along the way. They just shake their head and nod like, okay, we'll we'll support you. That's (laughs) fine. Um, so huge props to them, especially my husband. Like he's just always like, do it. You want to do it? Do it. We'll figure it out. Like you've got this. So amazing. Um, I also have some amazing sisters and they have really been my rock and I have two best friends right now who are just the biggest supporters and they really challenge me to grow just internally, externally, everything, like everything about our conversations are deep and connected and we're just, oh, I really appreciate them right now, especially for all the check-ins that they're giving me. Yes. So I, I have a lot of encouragers. It's hard to
0: just pinpoint a couple, but yeah, no,
1: and are
0: my main ones right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And that's what is really hard to, um, someone had, had said it like this to me that, you know, the hard part about saying who has encouraged you throughout your life is that in different seasons, different people have been, yes. been encouragers. And so what's really great to hear is that you have had so many people that have been consistently encouraging you throughout right. life and throughout the process of owning your own business. And really, I mean, leading, you are are leading the, I do I want to call it the fight, but that's not really the, the right word, but you <laughs> leading the fight for good sleep. Let's, let's just call it that, but just advocating for that and helping, especially in a state like North Dakota. Um, I, I love living in North Dakota, but realistically, sometimes it does feel like we're a little bit behind times with some things. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're able to bring something that's really innovative here is just so cool to be able to see that. And I can't wait to see how that grows for you. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Absolutely. So can we talk a little bit, you had mentioned, um, being able to give a code for sleep packages. So can you talk through a little bit about your sleep packages and what that will? Yeah.
1: Yes. So I offer, um, like my full Monty pack, well package, I'm sorry for my pediatrics is kind of everything that we kind of talked about. So first you, you do an online sleep eval. Um, then, you know, I kind of create this customized sleep plan for you and your kiddos, you do an online consult with me typically an hour and a half to two hours via zoom. Um, and then you start implementing for a two week process. You have me in the back pocket. So, um, I'm there to offer support, hold your hand, brainstorm questions. We're talking every day, um, via Voxer email and also four 15 minute phone calls with me. And by the end of it, you feel confident in how to get your kiddos to sleep and hopefully getting yourself better sleep as well. So, Yep. That's my pediatric full sleep package. Um, And then for my adult packages, I have kind of uh, just a a light package where we're going over all things like cognitive behavioral therapy, sleep hygiene, looking at the room, doing lots of different um, sessions that way. And that's about a four week program where we're going to meet every single week and we're going to go over a module every week. so that's my light package. And then I also have like the big one, which is the home lab testing with people. So we're going to do some home lab testing looking at things like thyroid, gut health, food sensitivities, hormones, and mineral imbalances. Based on that, we're going to create some kind of sub- some different supplemental programs um, and then also give you everything that w- I talked about in that last package for like the cognitive behavioral therapy kind of stuff, the sleep hygiene, um, all of the mentoring and that's a three month program. So that's, that's the big one. Um, so that one obviously has a heftier price tag on it just because the home labs in general are a little more pricey, but, um, so yeah, 15% off anybody who wants to, uh, sign up for a package, especially right now. And the code will be Kelly. Um, Kelly Zen.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Kelly Zen. All right. That sounds awesome. Well, thanks for sharing and explaining the different packages for people yes. and for talking us through this. You know, I'm wondering, can you tell everyone? We'll, of course, we'll link this on the website and on the post and everything, but can you tell everyone where they can find you, you know, your website, social media, et cetera?
1: Yeah. So I'm at um, ZensleepConsulting.com and you can finally me, find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram, but everything kind of floods over to Facebook too. So you can find me on both of those, but it just at, at zen sleep
0: Consulting that's fantastic and your website is did it, zen sleep oh, oh sorry sorry my apologies I may have missed nope, that I'm for on. a minute so that is awesome thank you for for sharing that you know I have to tell you that I really like Instagram is that your favorite I platform? love it
1: me too I, love it. I don't <laughs> know
0: what it is about it I don't know what it is about it. I use Facebook as well but yeah there's just something about connecting on there that I don't know if right. it feels almost a little more streamlined to me for some yeah. reason or I mean everything yeah. has algorithms but you know it's mm-hmm. still, it's still really great to be able to connect. So yeah, Insta is kind of my jam right now. I love it. Yes, me as well. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? Oh, I don't know. It's just,
1: I hope everybody's staying well and just yes. staying safe and just make sure that you're taking this time to rest, like not just sleep, obviously. I just mean to rest, like allow yourself to feel the feels, yes. feel how sucky it is, feel how great it is, be grateful, like. And, but also then don't feel bad if you are struggling. Yes. Like, you know, I, oh, I just wrote a podcast or a blog post on, um, how Brene Brown talks about how we don't have to compare our suffering. Yes. And it's okay for you to just feel how, like what you're going through right now is valid and you deserve to feel it, you know? Yes. Um, so just, just, yeah, tap into that and I don't know, just do what you can to take care of yourself right now and find your Zen. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that so much. I think you're 100% right. I have seen that lately that some people have put things like, well, this is going on. I'm really sad about it, but I know people have it worse. It's like, oh no, you're allowed to be sad about whatever it is. You're allowed to grieve whatever it is, be mad, Mm -hmm. whatever emotion you're feeling about that. So I love that you point that out for people. So that was fantastic. That was awesome. Well, thank you so much, Annie, for being on the show. I am so excited to learn more and um, my mind is truly blown honestly i'm gonna to have to like process this for a bit um, and definitely going to set up a consult for my son i'm telling you we are getting this taken oh. care of before the baby's here so.
1: <laughs> thank well you thank so you much. so much for having me it was so fun to talk to you this morning absolutely thank you,
0: thank you for listening to kelly and the encouragers podcast for all things related to this episode, please go to wwwkellysissoncom podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.